Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, They Might Be Giants. I am your host, Greg Simpson, and I've got uh, filmmaker and director Alex Italics here to talk about the song that he directed the video for, I Can't Remember the Dream, off of Book. Here we go. Hey there. Howdy. Thanks so much for being on. I'm happy to be here. And it's it's been a long time coming. I apologize for all the the back and forth and the 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 uh the, the lack of communication and then commu- <laughs> begin we're like on and off and on and off again but we're you're finally here. Well, yeah, it's fair to say that quite a bit has happened globally since that started so it's not in your hands. <laughs> Just it, it's been a little bit weird out there. You know. A little bit. Um, well, do you want to tell people a little bit about um, just how you got into filmmaking in general, like your uh, background or schooling or anything else like that? Uh, sure. Um, I, uh, you know, filmmaking was never like a lifelong sort of passion for me, really. When I was younger, when I was like a teenager and whatnot, music was really my passion. And I spent a lot of my time uh, writing songs and being in bands and doing that kind of thing. And then somewhere around my mid-20s, I kind of realized I had sort of an empty resume and decided <laughs> to go back to go, decided to go to college to get my undergrad. And um, at the time, I was, I was in pre-law, and uh, I oh, wow. was not super digging it. And so <laughs> literally, it was literally, I, I opened the course catalog and did, like, did the blind, put my thumbs somewhere, and landed in the film. I mean, that was, that was that is literally true. That's how I landed the film program, <laughs> and uh, and I thought, okay, well, you know, that 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 might be all right. You know, I'm used to you know art, art and creating things, and maybe I'll maybe I'll fit in. And uh, it turned out to be like filmmaking is sort of a repository of a lot of interests of mine: music and and art and visual styling and that kind of thing. And so I ended up sort of being a square peg in a square hole, mm-hmm. and just put a lot of energy into my projects in undergrad, and then. And then went to grad school, and then the rest is uh, prehistory. So nice, nice. And you're in uh, you're in L.A. now, right? I am. I am yeah. in fabulous uh, Los Angeles, California. 
Yeah, that's where all you uh, film folks got to be, right? It's the, uh, it's the place to be. Um, the uh, I, th- I think the best way before we get into you working with the Giants to kind of work our way up to that, uh, let's talk about how you got into the band uh, as a fan. Sure. So I've been, I mean, I've been a fan of the band for like most of my life. Um, and I think I, I, after talking to a lot of fans, uh, I, I think my story is sort of a common story, which is where I, when I was about 10 years old, a friend had a tape that kind of passed around and it was a copy of flood, which was relatively new at the time. I think it was, I think when I got a hold of it, it was like, uh, I think Apollo 18 was like brand new. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I think you know. I can I can remember listening to it for the first time, really hearing the theme from Flood, and then hearing Birdhouse, and that that was kind of my introduction to the band. And it just kind of started from there, and I just had you know been you know buying all the records, and since then, and and I, they were kind of like my my favorite band when I was uh, for most of my formulative years, whenever those end. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, so I you know I I always I always thought. I always thought of myself as like, you know, super fan status, but whenever you like, whenever you hang out with the Anchor Giants fans, you always find out you're like maybe the 10th biggest thing <laughs> or whatever. So I know it's funny like that. Like you're like, you make videos for them. I do a podcast about them. And sometimes I, I talk to other fans. I talk to so many people on the show here. I'm like, Am I the one that deserves to be making a podcast about them? I mean, you know, like you've been to a hundred shows. <laughs> I've been to three. Well, you know, you can blame the Midwest partially for that. But uh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I caught I caught your um, you did like a you did like a Jeopardy show, and I thought yeah. like at the time I was like, well, this is going to be easy. I mean, I've been a, I've been a fan of the band for ages, and then it's like I think I answered like maybe ten percent of the questions. Or something like that. <laughs> I know, right? If I wasn't in on the process of of making the the, the answers, rather, I guess, or whatever in Jeopardy terms, uh, with Mike Buffington and uh, his girlfriend Heather, I, I wouldn't have known half of them either. <laughs> and uh, yeah, John Ulis, who uh, you know was like the head guy as far as the the Team BW Wiki goes, wins it. You know, and even that was close. <laughs> You know, even the guy who like runs the wiki didn't run away with it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, your first time uh, doing work for the band, you were one of three winners that John Hodgman chose for the video contest for "Am I Awake." Um, I was trying to. I wasn't quite sure. I remembered why they did a video contest for that song after it was a. Decade old. Do you remember why they? Were? Yeah, I believe it. I believe because they were they were promoting the Idlewild compilation at the time, and that was. Uh, I don't know if it was like the leading track. I can't remember now, um, but it's definitely on the compilation. I think that was the idea, um, and I think also because they were still working on what became Glean, so they didn't. You know, they. I mean, they're they're a very good band at sort of keeping you know on people's minds, you know, and and, yeah. and releasing content and. And they had they had previously done the video contest for Kiki Johnny Down, so I think mm-hmm. it was it was a natural thing to just sort of do one for the new thing they had coming out. Yeah, and it's such a good fucking song. I always thought it should have gotten more uh, spotlight too. You know, just being on a EP, I thought it deserved more than that. So 
that's pretty awesome that when you search it up on YouTube, it comes up with like a million things. So I believe yours is like the first hit, and it is uh, my favorite of the three winners. Yeah, I'm not just saying that. Yeah. <laughs> so that one, I mean, being a video contest, I mean, you did that one for them for free, basically, right? Well, that's also what's kind of smart about them too. Is that they, I mean, they, it, it, I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of, it's, it, they're they're really great at fan engagement. I mean, I don't really think of it as like, you know, like like Doritos used to do this like Super Bowl promotion every year where they invited people to make their own Doritos commercial. Oh yeah. Show their and I always thought that was sort of predatory, but it's different when it's like a band that that you're <laughs> that you have like a. a uh, an admiration for you know that means something to you that doesn't feel like sort of shameless. It seems like a sort of mutual kind of ex- expression thing. Yeah. Um, and it just happened to be at a at a really perfect time in my life. I had just finished undergrad and hadn't yet made a decision to go to grad school for film, and so I had just like a bunch of free time. And uh, literally, it was like it was pretty low investment. I'd never made a music video before um, doing that. I. I my my background is much more in more traditional narrative kind of filmmaking. Right. Um, but I always have enjoyed music videos, particularly the Happy Giants music videos. Um, and so I uh, figured, why not give it a shot? But I remember being very, the whole, it was like something like two or three months or whatever that you had to wait to get the results. And they didn't, they didn't know like hand tipping when it came to who was a finalist and who wasn't. And so uh, it was quite the nail biter to, to <laughs> the results. But, um, it was really, it was really great to, you know, the the way that that video was made was very much like me and my cinematographer Brody, largely working just the two of us, as opposed to having a large crew. I don't know how what, what people's awareness is of how things get made when it comes to film, but typically there's like a whole slew of people involved, right. uh, you know, six people on the camera team, and, and but in this case it was much more just the two of us. So like. In fact, I think largely the whole thing was shot in almost like a single room. Everything that was interior in there was shot in a single room. Oh. Just redressed for different things. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, we'd take just a day and work on the little model of, of the motorcade route and stuff like that. It was, an, it was an interesting way of working where it was, it felt a lot more direct and a lot less, uh, you know, measured and, and time crunched, you know, it was, it was a lot more leisurely. And uh, it was it was great to just be able to just do it completely without oversight too. It was just whatever ideas came up, came up. We didn't have to get approval or anything. You just you just made it, and it was a great great way of uh, exploring music video. It kind of yeah. birthed my passion for it, really. Yeah, I'll say for your very first music video, I think it came out pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. It it it, it was like a it's kind of a special time in my life because uh, you know. I was still in, I'm from Tucson, Arizona. That's kind of where I'm from. And I was still there then. And, uh, when you're in a small town like that, making film, everyone is just really, thinks it's really quaint and cool and is happy to help you and give you things and let you shoot places and give their time. Whereas if you try to make things in LA, everyone's just got like a pre-printed rate sheet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's a business out here, so it's a lot harder to get things done. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was kind of special to be able to do it, um, you know, in that way then. Yeah. So there, there's actually a lot of actors in that, in that one. Uh, were, were you paying all of them? Do you know a lot of them? Or, uh, I mean, for that video contest, you're not making anything think, off of it. I think it, that's all know. the actors in Tucson, Arizona, as a matter of fact. <laughs> no, um, no I, I mean, 
normally the the thing is to pay is to is is to to give people at least provide them a meal. I in in cases when we did all day shoots, which like the guy that plays sort of the main newscaster in that was around for two full days of shooting, and he definitely you know got to enjoy the, the meals. But he's also like a just a, a stand up guy too. That is just, I mean that's the cool thing when you're working on that level. Like people aren't expecting to make money. None of us were making money. In fact, I I believe I lost money on the project, including yeah. whatever the the prize was. It wasn't about the money. It was just about making something cool. Yeah. I try not to let that spirit die when I made things now and just, just worry about making something cool. So um, a lot of people were just sort of working pro bono um, just because they, they, they thought it was a was a cool idea and a fun way to spend an afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so so you mentioned about having, you know, you and um, Brody, you said, is your uh, cinematographer? Yeah. To get that right? Yeah. Uh, having, you know, pretty much complete control over that um but then you also have have been quoted saying a lot about how john flansburg uh really has uh a, you know a, a lot of insight into how the videos will work so when you started you know getting more of uh i guess video uh get, getting hired by them like i guess uh i know i don't know which one would have come first in 2015 if it would have been i it can help next in line was the first, i can help was the, the next one that he that he approached and was like, would you be interested in actually like have doing a commissioned video for us? Yeah. So then working then alongside the Johns there, how, yeah. How did that all work? I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> I mean, the thing about, the thing about John Flansburg, who's the, who's really who I relate to most when, when making things, he, he kind of handles all of that kind of thing, really. Um, he, he he's a he's just a really well-read guy. He's a, he knows he's very, he, I mean he's also a, a competent music video director. I'm not sure, I'm sure your listeners know that as well that he, he directs music videos too. Mm-hmm. So he knows in and out. Like he, you know he can he can speak very competently about like about um you know how things get made and what ideas can be successful. And he also is just you know I think he's just got like this artistic gene that just has he has really good sensibilities when it comes to that. And I think he can also sniff out phoniness really well too and laziness, like intellectual mm. laziness <laughs> to where like an idea idea has to be has to be valid. It has to it has to work. It has it can't just be um you know something for the sake of being cool or seeming weird like every he he had he has this expression that he uses a lot dime store surrealism that he's <laughs> not really a fan of. He really enjoys it when meaningful and and deliberate and he doesn't really just like kind of randomness happening in, in videos which is it is difficult sometimes because there's a lot of plates to spend when it comes to making something as complex as like a music video um but it is for my personal development as an artist it's been indispensable he's definitely helped me elevate what i do i think to another level that's great yeah and that's really cool to hear because i think a lot of people more probably casual fans would watch a lot of They Might Be Giants videos, not just yours, but any of their videos, and be like, oh, that's just so weird. <laughs> or, like, or, so, or random, like, like you said. Like, well, you know, they, they think about these things. What might seem random to you, not so much to them. Um, so, yeah, I love the, uh, the style of uh, I Can Help the Next in Line, the whole, like, uh, uh, Time Life album commercial, whatever, <laughs> whatever you would call those. You know, for people that are our age, I think that's just like a staple of uh, watching TV, especially like late at night or whatever, when those things would come on. 
<laughs> yeah, there's there's one especially your viewers might look for it. It's it's for it's a punk rock compilation, and it is it's a it's a it's a commercial for it, like a punk rock time life compilation or whatever <laughs> oh my on God. YouTube, and it is it is hilarious in the in its non punkness, both like in the in the selections and in the the like the, the fashion that they present and the attitude they present. It's very corporate impression. <laughs> Thirty years removed from the from the punk movement, yeah. their impression of what punk punk music is about is pretty great. But yeah, that was definitely uh, the 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 KTEL compilation was definitely the the main influence. Yeah, well, I, I got to look that up. <laughs> so then, that same year, you directed "I Am Invisible" for Why. So this was your your sticking your toe in the kids' albums uh, pool here. So uh, how did that? Uh, change like how how a video shoot would work with with uh with the jones well so that kind of that so it just in terms of my involvement with the band um like so i got to make i got to make am i awake when i think i think i spent like collectively two to three months on and off not you know obviously not straight but you know a few hours here and a few hours there making it very leisurely and then with Next in Line, I'd have to go back and look at the, my records or whatever, but I think that we had something like a month or two months. But John, sometimes, because of the nature of what they do, and they're pumping out so many videos that he, I remember for I Am Invisible, he was, he, he was like, we need a video very fast. It was like within three weeks or something, they needed, <laughs> they needed a video. Yeah. And he gave me the track, and it was, I had to generate a concept that, that both worked, you know, in that time period, too. Um, and so that that unfortunately sometimes is how it works. I mean, sometimes I do have uh, a lot of time to to work on a video, and sometimes he needs he just needs something very 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 quickly. Yeah, I um, heard about that first from uh, I had Victor Fitzsimmons on the show, who has uh, animated two of their videos. He was on the um, oh, it said something. He animated that all, and he does it like by hand, frame by frame, and. Uh, he had, he had also won one of the video contests for um, I want to say it was a race, uh, and then so Flans wanted to hire him for that one, and he's like, yeah, he said, can you do it in three weeks? And <laughs> it's like with my process, I don't know, but he managed to knock it out. Um, I also had David Coles on uh this fall, who's done uh he's been a part of so many of their videos. So um, but a lot of those you know, both Victor and David's are more of the animated realm. So when you've got stuff with live actors going on and being on different, uh, you know, locales and stuff like that, I imagine it can make the crunch even harder, just like scheduling and stuff like that. Oh yeah. I mean, but again with, again with, I mean, I've tried to adapt a process that's very conducive to that as much as I can, you know, see, mm-hmm. um, like with with I Am Invisible too, it was a very small crew. It was just it was just me, the cinematographer, and the actor. That was pretty much it. And a lot of that was just it's not like we got film permits for doing that kind of stuff. We didn't like go through any of that. It was very just guerrilla style, just show up and shoot it. Which I think if you did that here, you get arrested or something. But certainly in Tucson, Arizona, <laughs> like you, there's no you know there's nobody nobody's minding the store when it comes to like you know film permits and things like that. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah, it kind of it worked out pretty well with the concept of the video then with people's face faces being blurred out because you were just going like you said guerrilla style there too. You're like, well, we'd probably have to blur their faces out anyway. 
And then, you know, the twist at the end of the video there with the potion and all that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was sort of by design. I remember at some point somebody asked me if, like, somebody, somebody at some point, I don't know if it was in the comments of the video or something, was, was, was kind of down about it because they felt like we were, like, uh, harassing people. But the truth <laughs> is that, like, all of the people that really bear the brunt of that harassment are, are plants. <laughs> they're, not, yeah. they're, they're, they're people that we brought in. They're not, like, they're not just people on the street. We had a strict policy of do not make anyone's day worse. All right. <laughs> Impractical jokers. Whoa. <laughs> Watch out. I just realized that the mad scientist uh, dude in this video is the same guy who's the creature in I Can't Remember the Dream, Michael Dean. True. True story. Yeah. True story. Right. He, he, he also went to, went to undergrad at the U of A with, uh, with Brody and me. And so he's kind of a, a pal of ours. He's a really talented, a really funny guy, too. He does, he does writing and he does comedy and yeah, yeah. I mean, he does a great job in both those. Is he in any of the other ones that I didn't notice? <laughs> yeah, he's in. He's in my awake too. He's one of the one of the news guys in the background, causing yeah. chaos and ruckus and trouble, tangling up the phone lines. <laughs> yep, for sure. <laughs> uh, so then, in the uh, I like fun album cycle, you did uh, some pretty big ones here. The greatest, uh, starring Nick Offerman, uh, is a fantastically weird and and dark video i mean even for they might be giants i would say this video is pretty dark what was that like working with uh with nick offerman well so that that sort of changed the process a little bit because i decided to do music videos as my master's thesis which uh is definitely unusual and was unprecedented at my particular graduate film school i went to i went to grad film school at chapman university Mm. um and they're a very traditional sort of hollywood kind of filmmaking film school and it took a lot of uh, a lot of convincing for them to let me do music videos as a master thesis which I, I i have a lot of uh, mixed feelings about about chapman i think or i kind of expected it to be more like an art in art school environment i expected more pretentiousness but in reality like i felt like i had to ask permission a lot to do things oh. <laughs> part of what was able to make it happen was that uh I was in touch with Flans at the time, and I knew they needed content, and so I, I kind of was like, "This seems like a perfect uh, time-wise mashup of of me making a bunch of stuff and them needing stuff." So, and and I felt like using the, the resources at my film school, I was able to make stuff much that is of much greater scope than what I had been made in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the irony though is that the first video that he approached me about was um, "By the Time You Get This," and I was in the middle of developing that when I got the the typical plans call of like I need a video inside of like a month uh, for the greatest. So and he interrupted so, the shooting of or the making of. By the time you get this to yeah. do the greatest, <laughs> yeah. Hold up, put that one on hold. <laughs> Basically, yeah, because we were. I mean, I, as it was, like I think I, I think he and I were talking in like October, knowing that I was going to shoot in March for for by the time you get this, and then like in. The middle, the beginning of November or middle of November, he was like, "I need something," so we he put that together. Now it was definitely his idea to have. Uh, he usually sometimes can give me some basic parameters, some like things that he 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 wants, like starting points, sort of like the, uh, like an idea, like something to work within. Uh-huh. And he he it was his idea to have a a I think his word was super movie star lip syncing uh, 
much because he just kind of he didn't you know he just stood in one location. Yeah. But he was just I mean he's from a he's from like a theater background. He just like showed up and like like literally stripped down to his underwear, ready to change into wardrobe. Like right, and I'd, I'd met him for all of thirty seconds or something like that. And he was in his boxer shorts, but um, yeah, he was super, and he was a super pro, man. I mean, you could give him the the least little bit of direction, and he knew just exactly how to take it and exactly how to play it. And for your listeners that don't like, so uh, so the the way that he's lip syncing, like he's he's moving in slow motion, but the song is continuing at regular regular speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that that works is that you have to play give playback that's a super fast playback that he could lip sync along to, so that when you slow it down, it matches the time. Yeah. yeah. So for an actor, that's I I would think that would be really challenging to be able to give a performance when you're like singing along. But he was just a total pro at being at just delivering just a great like somber sort of tone to 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 it, and uh, it cut together really well. It was really really pleasant, really really fun video to make. Yeah, it's great. The just I mean, like you said, he's just standing in one spot, you know, uh, lip syncing along. But like, just I mean, you can tell he is a pro, and and I'm sure the theater uh, definitely helps. Like getting so much out of just facial expressions. Uh, yeah, you can really tell, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> For real. And here's a fun fact, too. The, the guy that's playing, the guy making the, the, um, the crazy guy, yeah, the uh, he's dog, actually yeah. a, a, radio, a former radio DJ at K-Rock named, named Jim Poorman Trenton, and he was totally familiar with the band. I think he might have even oh. interviewed them before. Hmm. <laughs> um, but it, we didn't find that out until I think it, we were on set, and he was in, and he realized that he had this connection with the band. It seemed kind of serendipitous. Yeah, and that's crazy. Also, you said that Nick, uh, I had assumed that like Offerman had met the Johns in some capacity or something, whatever, before, but that that must have been awesome for him as a fan to be a part of that. Just as, as his first time, you know, meeting, you know, the Johns oh, and he's sure. in one of their videos. I mean, he has said in interviews that uh, they were his first favorite band. I think he might have said too that he he made like a fan video for that. Oh, back in the early nineties or eighties. But um, that'd be something. Oh sad. yeah, no, he was super into it. I believe he called up the, the morning of the shoot, and he was just said. I think his quote was, "Oh, another day, another. They might be Giants video." I mean, he was totally, totally all about it. Yeah, he was super, super stoked. Uh, and then so. The by the time you get this, uh, this is the one video where you've had to direct the Johns themselves. The Johns are in the video, which I wish happened more. You know, it's happening less and less these days that they're actually in their own videos. Uh, but uh, how was how was that actually uh, directing the Johns? Was that intimidating? That uh, it, that video shoot was extremely stressful. Oh, <laughs> it was highly stressful, and it wasn't really their their fault. Uh, there were there was a lot going on. I mean, the way that that Master's Thesis production works is that you have you have essentially like a nine or ten day window to shoot everything. And for most people, it's fine because they're just working on one short film or something. And but I, I was shooting something like three or four music videos during that time, so I had a, I was very like split. You know, I had a lot to do. And that that place that we shot that in is this rented location in uh, uh, San Pedro, California. Mm. Uh, that we had scouted because it's this, this mammoth old house that I think has basically been not lived in since the thirties, I think. Wow. And, uh, it 
was just it was just the perfect location. We didn't have to dress it much. I mean, we brought in we certainly brought in set decor, but we didn't you know we didn't have to age any of the walls. It came it came like that. It seemed perfect. And we showed up the morning of when the when because John and John were on tour at that time. They they had they we only had the morning to shoot because they had to do a sound check and then do the show in L.A. that night. <laughs> oh shit! Um, which hey, I'm sure that your fans that are that can jockey the wiki can probably then find out exactly what day because it was in March of, uh, of twenty. <laughs> Uh, 2018, um, and so they, with the 8 a.m. call or whatever, to find another shoot that was happening at the at the location, like another a whole other crew. I think Fox oh. was shooting something, and <laughs> like they had, the guy had completely double booked the location, and uh, it was like a nail biter just to make to get their crew out in time for the Johns to show up, and like, you know, when I. You know, when when John and John arrived there, John had spent the whole taxi ride like sketching out these ideas. He he was really involved. I mean, he he had a he had he had different ideas that he wanted that he thought we should shoot. Which his ideas are, it's it's usually a process where it's like he gives these notes, and I'm usually my initial response is to be frustrated by them. But then there's like this like period of like acceptance that he usually has his ideas are really solid and usually you know elevate the project and usually the right call. But to have to kind of play jazz in the moment and figure out how to make yeah. these things happen yeah. uh, was difficult. It was definitely a super thrill. I mean, to be honest, I have to confess, I was definitely more starstruck meeting John Linnell than meeting Nick Offerman, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> the elusive John Linnell, he's, uh, yeah, the one that, that seems to be, you know, a little tougher to... To, to to trap in a conversation. <laughs> I never in 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 developing the other videos. He was never a part of that. Um, I never. I mean, I'd never really spoken to him. Not directly. Right. Um, just a little a little fun fact for you for your listeners too. So back in when the when they did the spine tour in I think it would have been two thousand four. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a date in Tucson, Arizona. And at that tour is when they did all the venue songs. That was that tour. Mm-hmm. And so Dan Miller, I think, was doing board recordings of all the shows, and they were releasing them, too. Yeah. So if you listen to the, the Tucson show from 2004, I think it's after Particle Man, Flansburg has this interaction with a fan in the audience about giving his girlfriend a, a set of earplugs. And that's me he's talking to. <laughs> I don't... He, uh, you, if you if you can somehow grab a clip, Mike Buffington will definitely have it because he was probably there. But uh, I'm sure he was there. But in the end, that might be a good a good one thing to throw on here. But it oh, is, that is, yeah. what it was was that my it was my girlfriend at the time was there, uh, and uh, John Flansburg just came out and gave her a pair of earplugs in the middle of the song. I think because he thought she thought it was too loud, and she was very confused. And so he was trying to explain why he was giving her earplugs, and I made some joke about, "Hey, that's my girlfriend," and he said something. <laughs> it's very funny. What did what did he just give you? Earplugs. Oh, earplugs. Okay. Well, you were holding your ear. That's usually a warning sign that somebody wants earplugs. And rather than look at you suffer for the whole show, out of fellowship, I thought I would give you earplugs. I I hope that doesn't seem like some kind of mysterious gesture. Your girlfriend's cool, man. I'm just giving her earplugs. I don't know why you didn't have earplugs for your girlfriend. I can't really speak to that. 
But let's get back to the music, shall we? We're not, we're not about hating, we're about bringing people together. And we want to wish you two the most success in the world as you move forward in your girlfriend and boyfriend life. But just remember, fellas, earplugs. No earplug, no, no love. But, uh, so, yeah, so I had never, I had never met John Linnell or, you know, in the capacity as a video director um, until that moment. And, and he was super, I mean, I know the impression is that he's, he's very shy, but he was, he seemed super, super here to, to do whatever. He's great on camera. He's totally well, like that, that there's a bit in the video where he, he yells into the phone like that. Yeah. Totally him just riffing. He's really kind of just on the fly, just coming up with ideas like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I was just watching some of the videos before uh, we got on the call here, and yeah, my my wife was like, "Does John Linnell only know how to move in jerky motions? <laughs> like that's his thing. That's kind of their thing, yeah. right?" <laughs> I mean, that's and, uh, the thing is that like, <laughs> like Flans had a lot of that. A lot, like, he had a lot of these choreographed ideas and stuff. I mean, like you could kind of see like. I think it's he just can't help but just be involved. He just he's just got he's just so full of creativity that it's like a, a spigot he can't turn off ever. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so in that video, those are I mean, kind of callbacks to the Anna Ng video, right? I mean, there's some definite uh, similarities between those desk scenes and the uh, the magnifying glass and the phones and all that. I mean, oh, that was yeah. all, yeah, yeah. it's, it, it was so great seeing that stuff, just like seeing a brand new video, but then having this little familiar taste and, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that with, <laughs> I can't remember sure. the dream. Um, but, uh, yeah, by the time you get this is amazing. It's just so, so cinematic. Something about, I mean, the, the two actors, the, the husband and wife or whoever they're in that, they're fantastic in that too. And just the whole thing, the apocalyptic yeah, in a an apocalyptic, you know, kind of scene uh, just fits so perfectly for they might be giants as well. Uh, everything about it is uh, is fantastic. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Um, I don't I don't usually like to go too much into detail about like sort of the impetus, but I was definitely inspired by the. I, I was reading um, an article about the death of a famous rock star, and something about that I think spiritually really resonated with me. And so I definitely, that the video is an exploration of that. It was not from a meteor, so I wouldn't read too literally into it, but there were definitely some themes of like, uh, uh, domestic isolation and definitely a lot of that, that I was, that I was playing with. And it seemed to, it seemed to, the song is, it's an interesting, um, I was definitely sort of developing that idea before being introduced to the song, but I kind of weaved, it seemed to fit a lot of, some of the themes of the song too. And that yeah. seems to be kind of the process here. Some of the videos are absolutely like the greatest was, for example, was absolutely like, here's a song. It needs a video. What do you got? Basically. And I, and the idea came up after that, but I've also like him in the, in the way of, uh, kind of coming with ideas on independent of songs that I think might make good videos and then sort of working them, working with songs to, to make them fit. Mm. And that's sort of how we're by the time the kids came from, um, Cool. Uh, so yeah, before we talk about the video for I Can't Remember the Dream, let's talk about the song proper. That is the, the title of this episode. It's I Can't Remember the Dream. So uh, 
the song was the third single off of book uh i lost thursday came way beforehand uh and then i broke my own rule and then by the uh and then i can't remember the dream which was the first one to have a video but the uh the third single and it is i believe the fifth track on book if i'm remembering correctly it is uh no it's the seventh track on book i'll tell you to have to have such a banger down at track seven you know it's only only they might be giants could do that um what 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 are your thoughts on book as a whole are you are you digging the new album yeah it's great so like so back in like uh october of 2020 i kind of sent just an email to, to flans that because i hadn't been in touch with him i think since by the time you get this came out and I just kind of sent him an email that was just like, isn't isn't everything lousy? I'm, you know, because I I've been getting the emails from them about them canceling shows, and you know, the world was in chaos. And I kind of just said, uh, you know, if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. I'm, I'm all I'm, for the rest of my life. If you ever need anything, I'm I'm yeah. here for you. you know? Yeah. And he wrote me back and said, oh, thanks, and you know, yeah, let's keep in touch. And every time a few months later, he sent me I think six tracks from book. And said, "Are you interested in doing the video for any of these? You know, let him let him, let him percolate, see what you know, uh-huh. uh, see what you think." And that was definitely one of them. I can't remember the dream was. Let me see if I can find my email actually and see what which ones he sent me. So you got an advanced taste yeah. of the album. Yeah, I mean, oh, lucky! I broke my own rule. I can't remember the dream. I lost Thursday. Moonbeam rays. Part of you wants to believe me, and super cool. Are the ones that he sent me, yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, of course, even as, aside from making a video, I was just super stoked as a fan. To, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it was pretty amazing to be able to hear these, you know, and and to and and initially, like the one that stuck out to me for for video wise was uh, super cool. I really want. I really started like thinking about that song as uh, what what might make a good video for that one. Oh. It just seemed like it just seemed like such a unique sort of sonically different one from the from the group that really stuck out to me I mean, yeah. they're all great i mean I, I i love all their songs um and then back in july of uh or i think it was july uh he, he sent me a, a very frantic email well i was <laughs> well, i was supposed to just be like thinking of ideas for one of these songs he sent me a frantic email that was like we need a video inside of two weeks oh my god <laughs> can't remember the dream specifically, so he he, he made the choice for me. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, okay. That the, okay. That was the shortest deadline he's ever given. It was it was two weeks. It was something like two weeks from the initial call to like turning in the final cut. Something like I, that. Yeah, I wonder why that was such a. I mean, it makes sense on those. You know the dial a song years where they're putting out a video every week. I mean, it makes more sense for them to be like, okay, what do you got? What do you got? Give me something quick. Uh, but for this one, I mean, they've now also put out a video for Moonbeam Rays. Um, but it's just funny. I mean, I don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much to say, but I, I will say that I think I think the idea was that he had a whole other plan for a video that fell through at the very last moment. Oh. Hmm. So it's not that. It's not that. You know, he doesn't have it together. It's I think the circumstances usually dictate these kind of last minute <laughs> changes that Oh and, yeah, for sure. 
and so I think there was an entire different project that was in the works that just immediately fell through. I think he was he was just going to let me pick out a track and then and then turn in a treatment and then go from there. But as it turned out, they like had a they had a hard deadline. I think because uh, it was Rolling Stone or whoever already agreed that they viewed the video before uh. it even existed. So he couldn't. He needed he needed some some content. And of course, I bend over backwards for the dude. I mean, they've been. They've been huge, huge champions of my work and and of whatever I'm doing and, and work for them. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so we met John. I, he happened to be in LA when he called me, and we met the next morning in Hollywood and uh, and sort of came up with a loose idea for the concept of the video in that meeting, and then uh, I hammered out the details over the next couple of days and then started working on it pretty much. Okay. All right, yeah, okay, so that's enough of a tease on that. To the to the musical elements of the song, because then those, you know, might have something to do with how the how they influence the video. Um so even even before we get to the lyrics, talking sonically about this song, when you first heard this song, were were you also thinking Louie Louie or Wild Thing? <laughs> like oh sure, yeah, I mean it's definitely got that rhythmic that rhythmic kind of uh Wild thing, yeah. There's definitely that that those, those punches there, um, and I think also uh, one of the things sonically that that certainly when I'm evaluating a song, um, those little moments like it has that breakdown where he mentions the flower bed and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like those kind of different uh, um, changes in contrast, um, I think give a lot of options for visuals. There's a lot of different ways of visually complementing those kind of sonic changes. And it's great to have something that that has a lot of a lot of variety when it comes to tone. You know what oh, I yeah. mean? Yeah, there's a lot of dynamic and stylistic contrast throughout this song. But the way it comes blazing in with just the stomps and the claps and stuff, the I know a lot of people were bringing up Louie Louie, but I was, I was like, oh, the rhythm's a little different. And yeah, Wild Thing is the one that's just like spot on... Uh, with the syncopated rhythms and it's even in the same key it's even in a but while wild thing and louie louie are both going uh, one, four, five, back to the four. His just goes one, four, five, and then back to the one. But the way that it does it, and I mean, you know, a million songs do, you know, one, four, five. That's like, you know, the cornerstone of rock and roll. Um, this riff is three, three measures long. Whereas usually when you're talking about rock songs, you're going twos, fours, eights, sixteens. But this riff is three measures long, and then when the lyrics come in, it makes for a uh, a nine measure verse, which is really <laughs> bizarre. And you coming from a songwriting perspective as well, have you ever written a verse that's nine measures long? Because I know I haven't. <laughs> it's really unusual. But I think what I think what part of makes it work is the melody of the song has this really sort of like it's very difficult. It, it, the phrasing of it doesn't have a lot of clear starts and stops. It seems to just sort yeah. of be like a like a merry-go-round almost of a melody that like kind of, it doesn't have, you know, like if you compare it to Wild Thing or Louie Louie, those melodies almost, I think, directly follow the syncopated rhythm. Oh, whereas yeah. the melody of, of that 
melody is almost, is almost completely independent of the syncopation of the rhythm, which I think is, it has this really sort of hypnotic quality to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. The way that, and yeah, like you said, like the, it's hard to tell where, you know, it might stop or start because there's not really much repetition with the, the melodic movement or, or where it is doesn't line up with the same chords each time. So it feels different. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of cool tricks going on there. Um, yeah, you know, I was reading the other day about um, the song "Think for Yourself" by the Beatles, and how part of part of what's interesting musically about that song is its tonic ambiguity. That that doesn't mm. it doesn't have like a clear tonic, even though it is clearly in the key. It doesn't the, the tonic isn't as prominent as it is certainly for that period of songwriting. And I feel like there's a similar idea with the the melody here that it it definitely follows a pattern, but the pattern in the way it's presented makes it hard to predict. And it still invites you in and, and makes you, um, it works well because the rhythm itself is easy to predict. It's very, it's, it follows a very similar pattern. Um, but anyway, that's, that, that's sort of what I picked up on, on breaking down the song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you're, you're dead on there. And then the, um, the chorus, you know, it sinks into more, you know, kind of straightforward four four beat, but the, uh, the chord progression gets more complex, which is usually would probably be the opposite. Things usually get more simple in the chorus, but here you get you get a whole bunch of minor chords, uh, stuff that goes, yeah, it stretches the the key signature for sure. And then, um, like you mentioned, the little breakdowns. Let's see, what is the um, well, the first time it does it, it hints at it, does it instrumentally, and then it comes back with the um, the flower beds part. You know, going full minor there with F sharp minor, uh, starting that off. The chords are just constantly changing and and climbing around in a way that, even though the that part of the song feels like a breakdown, like there's really a lot of a, a lot of movement there. And it's really so, to me, it's so uh, much like like what is everyone staring at or Sleepwalkers or that same. It's it's the same kind of idea that he has these melodies that kind of circle above the the chords that are beneath it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I find similarities between those those two. That that seems like sort of very Linnellian kind of songwriting, really. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, and lyrically, uh, this what, what's what's your take on the lyrics of these songs? Of this of this one, it certainly seems to be um, similar kind of uh, themes that that are frequently expressed in in they might be giant songs about. Um, wistfulness and uh, and um, I mean I feel like there's there's a lot of similarity in in tone between like hopelessly despair and and songs like this. He certainly there certainly seems to be a a, a constant theme in particularly Linnell's writing right. that the way he writes about depression is I think very unique and very his own. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that kept bouncing back and forth between uh, with this one is on on the surface it dem- definitely seems more about like a um like literally like he had this great dream and he hates his life and wish he could go you know to that that dream state but then the other thing I kept thinking about was like um what you might have is a dream for your life like seeing where your life would go like a, more of a long uh not not a literal dream at night but like a dream for you know where your career might end up or where your life might end up 
And uh, I couldn't really decide on which uh, I like fitting better in with the song. Well, you know, I think I think that's the thing. That's what's great about John Linnell as a songwriter, as a lyric writer, is that he, he can write these songs that that work on their very surface level. In a very, I, I hate to use the Q word, but a very quirky way. Certainly, that's how I think <laughs> the rest of the world views it is offbeat and quirky because they view they view it in a very literal way. And I mm-hmm. think it's the tendency of the fans to go really deep in the about what these these things metaphorically represent, where I think he's on record as saying he, he rarely writes with deep metaphor. A lot of it is very... But I think that's the, the reality, is that his songs can work on both of those levels, really. Yeah. On the one level, it is a song about just not being able to remember a good dream that you had and comparing it to your life. And, and then you can also extrapolate that into philosophical ideas as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I've... I've uh heard uh, you know Linnell saying uh, stuff like that too but then I also wonder if he's just fucking with us to make us you know throw us off the scent <laughs> or, or sometimes he's like especially more back in the day they'd outright say some they'd tell one story at a show about what this song's about and uh, a certain song's about and then tell a different story at, a, at another show or something like that just to fuck with people <laughs> but I think you know either way whatever the um, however you take the meaning, there are just some fantastic lyrical uh, couplets and just phrasings in this song that, again, just make me so envious of just the just this stuff that Linnell can put out on you know a regular basis just all over all of these albums. Uh, like, for one thing, I was thinking a uh, line in particular. Let me see. Where is it? Uh, stuff that you can think that no, you know, I can't picture any other band talking about. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> my daily life doesn't interest me. It's a never-ending litany of pain and ennui. <laughs> a litany of pain and ennui. I just can't picture any other rock band <laughs> using that phrase. Um, yeah. It's definitely Linnellian. Yeah, another one that jumps out. Um, I can't remember the dream that I had last night. If I could, I would write it out, underline the highlights of the dream that would now redefine my life, be a new roadmap, affirmation, and guiding light. There's just so much in that one little stanza there that uh, is just incredible. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And and the way it, it sort of comes at you with this, like, this, this there's that ascension that happens in the melody that just makes it feel like it, it just creates this, this, anticipation because you it never it's it, it's like you're continuing to waiting for it to resolve melodic piling on these ideas one top of the, one on top of another you know oh yeah how it climbs yeah if i could i would write it out you know <laughs> which again i think also also look i look for those kind of things to complement visually too i look for things like that that uh you know you can take those ideas of and, and work with them in an editorial perspective or in a visual perspective in some way too. Yeah. Well, so, okay. I think, I think, you know, we can't separate these, uh, any longer talking about the video, uh, shoots. How much did these lyrics directly influence, you know, since it was in that tight time frame, influence the concept of the video. And I guess, you know, Flan's ideas would also play into that too. Um, how how did that all how was this idea birthed here this suburban life for this 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 creature here well i think um 
Flansburg has definitely made it pretty clear uh, to everybody, including me, that he really doesn't like lyrics that are very C and say and very like directly. Right. He doesn't really like when the video, I should say, has, has lyrics has that much of a literal tie to the lyrics of the song. Right, right. Um, and I agree with him too. I think it's great when they can exist as as like a symbiotic, but but different relationship. You know, a distant relationship, but also mm-hmm. work together. Right. Like the best videos usually are able to do that. Um, so uh, there's still, nonetheless, like I think what I tried to do at least was to take the spirit of what was behind the lyrics and explore that visually, but not literally. I mean, it was never the thought of, you know, literally depicting someone having a dream and then literally depicting them trying to remember that dream was never really in the cards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and what was the, sorry, I don't have it in front of me. The costume, uh, Aris Sevilla. Aris, yeah. Yeah, Eris. She's also a super fan of the band too, and is very stoked to. She um she worked on another video I did for um John Spencer at the John Spencer Blues Explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she designed a costume for that, and so I kind of had this concept, you know, the idea at least of this concept that there was this sort of being that was exploring uh suburban angst in his in his house, <laughs> and um. You know, John in our meeting did have like he did sketch out some ideas for what this person might look like, uh-huh. and the, the the trophy was a part of that as well. I mean, that was definitely in that meeting. That was one of the first things he he brought forth was the idea of a best rock video trophy that gets destroyed. Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a callback to Birdhouse and the stop rock video placards. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that. yeah, for sure. So eventually they won that, that, <laughs> yeah, no, not literally. No, it's not about, they might be giants, but yeah, it's a, that, wow. I wouldn't have thought that would be the, the first thing though. I, although I suppose it is the climactic moments of the, uh, the video towards the end there. Well, I think, Smashing I think one it. of the ideas that John came to the table with is he, he, he thought just like a slow motion video of like, you know, they, they have those like industrial, giant like th- that are used for like crushing up cars and things like that uh-huh. he suggested like like a, a, a video that's just like a tight shot or maybe some tight coverage of like a, a trophy that says best rock video in extreme slow motion being destroyed in one of those things <laughs> which i like i like i connected with the the spirit of that idea that to me it is it is simultaneously self i think i said that simultaneously self-aggrandizing and self-deprecating to have to destroy to have a best rock video trophy that you destroy in your own video i think is uh <laughs> it's, i think it's an inherently funny idea yeah um yeah. but turns out those giant industrial shredders are not rentable <laughs> as i <just> discovered <laughs> um and so at least take i didn't want to lose that idea though because i thought that was a really funny idea um and so I think the thing that really changed his mind about a lot, some of the other ideas is when I, I came up with the idea of it being a reveal that, that he was going to destroy this trophy. I think that, that John mm-hmm. uh, really, I really connected with that idea that you would not know from the get go. I think his initial idea was that you would see someone putting a trophy that clearly said best rock video into a wood chipper, essentially, you know, <laughs> but I think when I, when I had the idea of it being a late stage reveal in the video, I think that he felt, very differently about it um in a good way 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Eris, yeah, Eris, that's go. where it was time. So Eris, Eris um, designed the, the, the costume for him and uh, did a great job. She was really, she was really good at working very fast, too. Um, so I didn't notice it until maybe the th- third viewing or so of this video, but underneath the yellow robe, there's another garment underneath that's made of like Polaroid photographs. Yeah. Is is there anything significant in any of those photographs? Oh yeah, all those photographs are all stills from from the Ivy Giants music videos. They That's all amazing. are they're all like uh different uh different stills that we grabbed from <laughs> other videos. I, I think I'll need to get up real close to my TV next time. Just like the creature does in there, you know, and really <laughs> look at those and pause it and t- to see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that wasn't, that wasn't, I mean, I, people, fans I've read have, have, have definitely picked up on like the, the, the level of references to other there might be giants videos. That was mm-hmm. not, I don't think the idea from the outset, but I think it became that it became like a, like a sort of a love letter to, <laughs> to, to the might be giants videos, their, their video content in general. Um, some of those I actually wanted to I actually wanted to go much further with how how close they were referential. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to yeah. actually I, I did pitch this to Flans. I wanted to go to the Sepulveda Dam, like where where they shot the uh, statue, yeah. the statue video, and actually duplicate some of the shots from that and then destroy. It. And that was the idea that I was trying to picture him that that there would be these these clear images from They Might Be Giants videos past that would then be destroyed in some way. <laughs> You destroy uh, the skateboarding astronauts. <laughs> right. I think what the idea was the, the, the shot of the coffee cup, the very first shot of the video, I uh-huh. want to kind of duplicate that. And then after the camera rests in the, in the, the coffee cup, then the sledgehammer comes down and crushes it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think he, or, or another one was I, I, I bought like a, one of the JFK like commemorative glasses with the idea of like filling it full of milk and then smashing that too, like it <laughs> from the Anna Hank video. But I think I think sense. John was yeah. a lot happier having it be far less direct duplication and yeah. more spiritual. <laughs> sure, we do get the um, and this was even brought up specifically to me by Adam Rivera, whose cover we're going to hear later. He was, you know, it's like all about this. Uh, let me see. How do you say exactly? his fan theory that the main character in the video represents TMBG's videos of the past. Um, so uh, he is wearing them in a way on his, the, the creature's outfit. Um, but yeah, most of the references are so quick. I mean, the light bulbs, I mean, gotta be a call to, to a birdhouse, right? For sure. And the, uh, the clapping of the hands being uh puppet head is, uh, is there anything else I'm missing in there? As far as quick um, references, and then the well, I mean, cup, it depends like on how poetic you you want to get with your interpretation. I mean, you could take, you know, me dropping a hatchet on an accordion to be similar in nature to the, to the accordion in the Don't Let Start video. I mean, there's a lot. There's yeah, a, the exploding accordion. Right? There's, I mean, I never made a list or anything. I kind of just sort of let it exist as. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't try to be. I try to take John's advice about not making it like literally shot for shot duplication and more just, uh, you know, having it be part of the, the soup, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. um, like, the, like, I think the good example is the puppet head clap with the hands. That was not something that like I planned. Like that was, that was, I, those are my hands and the gloves. And I was just, it was just <laughs> sort of like, 
we did a couple takes of me rolling with the playing with the heart or doing things with the hands and the clapping seemed to come naturally. And I, but there, people are totally right to pick up on that from puppet video. And that was just probably just flowing through my subconsciousness at the time. It wasn't, it wasn't like directly deliberate, but it is really hard nice. when like, you know, I bought the, when, as soon as the, the direct from Brooklyn VHS was available in the nineties, I immediately bought a copy and nearly wore it out just watching it over and over again. So a lot Same. of, yeah you know how to how to craft a video and what works in videos like my education in that really came from watching their their first dozen videos or whatever it is you know so it's not surprising that when people pick up on similarities in in ing to by the time you get this or some of it is deliberate and some of it is just that's just how i've learned what what makes for a good video you know yeah and yeah and really being so immersed in the map giant style right or, uh, aesthetics yeah um, oh yeah, the other thing I wanted to ask. So, is there a second creature? Because we get a lot of. So the the main uh, figure has the blue gloves with the red fingernail <laughs> things, right? But then we also get all the shots of just hands with the black gloves, like the ones that 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 you were wearing. And towards the end, the you know the main figure you know throws his hands out. And the black gloved hand comes out and hands him the the hammer that smashes the trophy. So, are you the second creature? <laughs> well, I'll say this: that, like, you know, I, I definitely like uh, to respect the validity of everybody's interpretation. But I will say that, like, I found there's a, there's in the interpretation section of the song on the 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 thing on Giant's wiki. There's a I think somebody wrote like a really detailed sort of analysis of that idea that you're talking about that I found, I personally found really interesting. I found it really interesting the way they described mm. it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a great video on another one that my wife, <laughs> my wife, I think the first time I watched it when it first came out, she's just walking through the room. She's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's like, I know it's, they might be giants. What is going on? I'm like, sit down and watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all that, the destruction stuff that was all shot in, in literally my garage with a big, a big black sheet around it, um, which there's just, I think there are still shards of, of things all, all over <laughs> pieces of broken guitar or pieces of the, the, the pieces of light bulb that made a big mess too. Like when shattering those, oh, light bulbs. um, but the, uh, the, the, the rest of the video, um, like the, the, the house part of it, like was shot in an, an Airbnb here in LA, which is like, yeah. you know, don't, don't tell anybody cause I don't think you're allowed to do this. But that, <laughs> that's how so on the fly, filmmakers the get locations is just by renting Airbnb. And I found them to be gold mines of, of, have you heard this expression? Chugi? Have you heard that before? Chugi? Chugi. Chugi. Like no. I learned this on set from Eris actually from the, <laughs> but it's perfect to describe. It's like live, laugh, love, like that kind of idea of design uh-huh. that it's like, mainstream but in like kind of a, a lame kind of way right like if something's chuggy it's very like uh yeah it has that that sort of uh depressingly suburban kind of feel to it <laughs> and like every airbnb i've ever visited is just like a shrine of chugginess there's just oh the, totally the just emulates like there's been a couple of videos that i've made that that called for like locations that were just like depressing suburban just basically off the rack in Airbnb place, and they'll, they'll give that vibe. 
<laughs> yeah, what's the uh, the coat rack that he walks by? Was it say smile? Smile looks good on you. Like all smile. that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's also like that. That's the word that he used to describe that is chuggy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that. That's uh, that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, amazing. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a great video. So. I think, oh, we need to talk about the alternate version of this song. Yeah, it was just recently dropped, right? Just put out, yeah. It sounds like they've. It wasn't like something done in the same session. It sounds like it's something that they did pretty recently. Um, I don't really know what the inspiration would be to do an alternate version of the song necessarily, but it's 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 pretty cool to hear. We got a really different instrumentation. Um, do, you, do you think that's a banjo in there? Yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah some definitely like metal bodied instruments probably a banjo um and while you still have that same strumming rhythm you know with it being banjo acoustic guitar there's a little electric guitar element in it as well um i think it lays off the uh the wild thing comparisons a little bit because when marty comes in he just lays down the straight backbeat it's not this big thumping you know four on the floor kind of thing anymore but it, it's a cool whole different vibe to this song uh what, what were your thoughts on it yeah, it's interesting to hear. It's definitely like an, it's, it almost feels, yeah, sort of acoustic. Like it seems like kind of the MTV Unplugged version of the song. <laughs> but, uh, I don't, I don't prefer it. I think I, I like, I like the version that, that is the official book track. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it's, it's always interesting to, to hear all the different. I mean, I, I, I grew up, I feel like I, I'm from the era where we would trade around cassette tapes of dial-a-song demos of songs. Like I'm totally into like hearing alternate versions yeah. of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one cool thing I picked up on is that, um, well, while Flansburg does like a little, there's like a tiny bit where he does a background vocal in the, in the book version. He does, at least it sounds to me like he does all of the backups, all the harmonies on this alternate version. And I love it when the two Johns sing together, which I feel like it's something that they used to do a ton back in the day and less and less, they seem to be harmonizing themselves uh, almost exclusively now, but the, the hearing Flans uh, take those, those harmonies was, was a good, uh, a treat for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I did. They, I actually did not, did they say, give any context for this other version? Did they say anything about why it exists or anything? <sighs> Let's see. It all, there was just a short, blurb with it where i downloaded it what um let's see i bet it's on the wiki here um yeah it sounds it sounds like maybe they did as a little treat for us when uh they were about to cancel the <laughs> shows for this spring uh the band described it as an alternate exclusive version of i can't remember the dream we recently put together 
and knowing that it came out really good. So that's all all we're getting. Well, agreed. (laughs) Oh, wait, here we go. John Linnell. John Linnell playing the banjo. (laughs) He's playing the banjo. That's amazing. He is, really? Yeah, that's funny. Um, So he's not. So I I guess I, I only listened to it a couple of times, but it did seem to have like a like a, a it didn't feel like multi-track it felt like it was like all like a live performance almost you know yeah yeah i wish i had the answer to that but uh yeah they didn't give us very much we'll have uh, to see when they're in the next tour if he's touring with banjo then <laughs> maybe that would explain it. yeah yeah what was that one other how oh, that old feature linnell playing the guitar on the um Oh, mainstream USA. Mainstream USA, right? <laughs> 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 I think he's also playing the guitar solo in West Virginia, which is pretty incredible too. And then, I mean, oh, that's not. Yeah. That's definitely his, that's probably his best guitar work that I've heard. <laughs> West Virginia. Yeah, I think his uh, his son could shred him under the table. At this point, <laughs> you know, he's the one playing guitar on on Linnell's uh, Roman songs EP. Oh, really? Yeah, that's his son, Henry. <laughs> I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, playing all the guitar on that. Uh, okay, so we are to the covers section, and we almost ended up with zero proper covers, but uh, I made a little call out to some of my f- friends who are frequent TMG covers artists, and Adam Rivera came through with a cover of I Can't Remember the Dream, so I'll drop that in right here. I can't remember the dream that I had last night But I woke with delight and excitement And then when I tried to remember the dream that I had last night It was gone, but the feeling I had in the dream stayed on When I'm awake and I look around me I can faithfully report everything that I see Most of my memories tend to be sad So I wish I could remember the dream that I had I can't remember the dream that I had last night If I could, I would write it out Underline the highlights of the dream That would now redefine my life To a new roadmap, affirmation and guiding light When I'm awake, I know all that I see Remember it with photographic accuracy Most of my memories tend to be that So sad I can't remember the dream that I had why can't I remember it when I can't forget unpleasant thoughts? I want to push them away. They creep like weeds, like weeds. They cover all the flower beds. I can't remember the dream that I had last night with the simple fact that my mind i 
What'd you think of that? <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, that was cool. It was. Uh, it's. It's cool to hear. Um, I guess. Yeah, that's the crux of doing hot off the presses. They might be giant songs. There's not enough time for, uh, for for people to have a multitude of covers. But it's cool that somebody was able to to do one for this purpose. Yeah, I I like it a lot. The uh, the hand claps are fun. Getting it. I mean, it's very minimal percussion, but it works very well. Like you get the 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 quick tambourine 16th notes when it gets to the uh the chorus um i know he said uh oh yeah and one of his his uh patented techniques is this super hyperactive acoustic strumming that you really get on the uh the chorus of this one and i always love hearing that and also i think the background vocals in this he said uh his bandmates uh tatiana so we get a little uh male female harmonies there which uh our nice little, you know, sweetening to the track Very as cool. well. Yeah. So thanks so much, Adam and, and Tatiana, for uh, kicking that cover our way. I'm, I'm glad to have it. Then the other thing we have, another friend, Carrie, Carrie Hearn, um, did w- what she would call a shitpost <laughs> by taking I Can't Remember the Dream and the, the old Linnell solo song, House of Mayors, uh, hearing similarities between those two and doing a mashup of them uh through the power of of midi so i will drop that in here as well <laughs> what do you think of that? Well, first of all, are you that familiar with House of Mayors? Were you familiar with that? A little bit. Oh. I mean, I, I'm I'm more I was more familiar. I think I got bootlegs or not bootlegs tape trades of of both that and the State Songs EP from from the Hello Club back yeah. in the '90s. And I think I just was much a much bigger fan of the State Songs one. So I didn't really for sure. Other than I think Will You Love Me in December should do in May. That one definitely like like I got burned into my brain. But but the others didn't really I don't think stuck with me as much. But it's certainly interesting to hear, uh, you know, the way that those songs they, they the way they sync up and way the way they they do sound similar. I think that I saw that they put like uh, seriously I can't tell these songs apart anymore. What did it say in the in the top yeah. left? Of that? That's yeah, let's see. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, I can't remember how either of these songs goes anymore. <laughs> and then credited to John Linnell slash TMB, TMBG slash uh, Jesse Cat, which is what she goes by, with so many apologies again. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Just the, the House of Mayors has, I think, the biggest similarity I find is. Uh, like we were talking about the verse melody on I Can't Remember the Dream, how it's such a long kind of winding uh, melody. And House of Mayors has a very similar one like that. So when she places them kind of as melody and counter melody, just the way they kind of snake around each other, like in all these different ways is uh, really, really interesting to hear. Um, so uh, sure. thanks, Carrie, for, uh, you know, shitposting this song. It, it's funny that a mashup of this song was made before any proper cover was made out of the whole team bg community someone thought to ship post it first uh yeah um so we are to the point in the show where you need to score this song and again it's tough on these ones that are fresh to uh stack them up against something like birdhouse but uh it must be done it's it's science or it's just, for, or it's just for fun, <laughs> right? I, well, I would definitely say it's the highlight of the record for sure. Um, I would give it a solid seven point five. Seven point five, yeah. But I, don't, I always get with when it's out of ten, it's really tough because it makes it feel like this. Is that like a C, or is that like like seven point five to ten is, is is pretty good when it comes to the you know the pie, the slices of the pie. But when it comes to like high right. like, grade you things in school, you know that's that's a C. I don't know. I'd, I'd say it's more the the, the former. I'd say seven point five is good. Okay, and I'm that's what, I, that's what I meant. Yeah, and I'm real stingy with my scores too. I mean, if I was going based on yeah school uh, grading system, I'd be like, well, this this is an A too, and this one's also an A, and then everything gets a nine, you know, and above, uh, and it wouldn't mean anything. Uh, I can't remember. The dream is definitely one of my favorites of the record. I think I broke my own rule. Probably is my favorite track though it seems to be getting a lot of hate online and i don't know why and i'm always fighting against it with you know other fans just uh, like seriously for sh- hate gets- for shits and giggles yeah there's all like in the they might be ship posting group i don't know if you're on the wasteland that is facebook anymore but um I'm not. they've been doing these there's this guy that does these survivor polls where you vote for vote for the song you like least and like i think out of the whatever however many tracks are on this like it was like I broke my own rule. It was like third to last or something. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> but anyway, um, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go just slightly higher than you. I think I'm going to go 7.8 on that one. I think that's C plus that's, then. Got it. Right. C plus. Uh, Linnell's mom will be furious at him. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, for the plug section of this, we've talked all about your, your They Might Be Giants work, but uh, what do you got going on right now? Uh, right now, I'm doing this podcast. Um, yeah, I've heard of it. Oh, do you mean, oh, you don't mean like right now? Got it. Yeah, uh, I mean like, you know, whereabouts, you know, somewhere about here. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, work professionally full time as a, as a music video director, but I'm, it's great to be able to just take on projects that I personally find like intriguing rather than having to do projects that I don't. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Although I will say that there hasn't been a lot of music videos being made in the past couple of years, at least. In my sure. Opinion. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, music videos are, are by far and away my, my filmmaking passion and I will always look for opportunities to do them. And I will certainly, if, if John and John ever come a call and will always drop what I'm doing and make a video for them. Um, Heck yeah. And you've also done some short films as well. Do you have anything like that in the works? And um, do you do, I mean, do you do the scripts for all those and stuff too? Yeah. I mean, I went to the film school I went to for undergrad is a holistic, what they call a holistic film school. So I I had to get experience in all forms of uh, of filmmaking, like all the different screenwriting and editing and whatnot. Um, But I haven't made a short film since, since film school. Which is oh, okay. like a few years now. Um, I I work for Netflix now. I work I work uh, in in animation in Netflix and editorial. Oh, so that nice. sort of takes up my my work from home time. <laughs> well, that's cool. Uh, is it is it fun? Yeah, I mean, I didn't i i the I did not work in animation before the pandemic, but. The thing about animation is that it, it didn't stop during the pandemic. I mean, it, it continued to work. There, nobody was like when all film production got shut down and everything, and television production, animation was still working the whole time. So yeah. it was kind of a no-brainer to pivot my <laughs> my livelihood to animation. Sure, so, um, that's what I'm doing now. Um, so it's it's again, I feel like it's another endeavor of mine that I did not set out to do, but I have found myself to be a, a, a match. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, people can check out uh, all about you on alexitalics.com. Um, yeah, links to all these other music videos. Uh, yeah, John Spencer, uh, Lips, uh, Head Over Heart. We've got a whole Moon bunch Hooch, of other I did a Moon stuff. Hooch video. Um, Moon Hooch? Yeah, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a few. Yeah, they're all on there. And if people want to reach out, they can reach out to me on the website, too. Uh, do you want people to follow you on social media or any such things? I mean, I, I have an Instagram. I'm just not very active. I'm not very good at social media, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh yeah. When they when uh, they pioneer just... anti-social media, then I'll get on board. But until then, <laughs> let uh, me use it to not promote any of my projects. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a necessary evil, unfortunately, with all these. Yeah, these little, you know, podcasts and such. Uh, so people can find uh, This Might Be a Podcast at thismightbeapodcast.com and all of my social medias, like uh, at This Might Be a Pod on Twitter is a good one. Um, and if you want to get in the mailbag segment of the show, you can email me at thismightbeapod at gmail. You can call in 224-801-2930 and leave a voicemail. Uh, and if you really like uh, what I'm doing and you wanted to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. And uh, I think that does it for me. So, uh, again, Alex, thanks so much for, for taking the time to uh, come on the show. Hopefully, uh, maybe, maybe again sometime, too. be fun. Oh, totally. 